Hello, and welcome to Second Helpings, a Grace Fellowship podcast designed to serve up another round of insight and application from our Sunday morning corporate worship gatherings. Pull up, dig in, and get filled as we take another taste of God's greatness. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Second Helpings. I am Pastor Zach, joined again with Pastor Dan. Here we're getting it. We gotta get some of the other guys back in. We do. You know, they're they're gonna get bored with us. You yeah, know? I am. <laughs> uh, no, but we're both excited to be here and talk more about the passage from this week. We yeah. were uh, in Second Timothy again, and um, I'm gonna start. You mentioned I think this is a good idea. We're gonna start by just reading this passage as we dig into it a little bit more here. Uh, it's Second Timothy. Uh, chapter 2, verses 8 and 10, 8 through 10. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And Dan, I think it's safe to say the Mm. big theme of the message from um, yesterday when talking about this was uh, Paul being, uh, if I can use the phrase without getting copyright infringement, purpose-driven, right? (laughs) Uh, The the, uh, the idea that he is driven by a supreme purpose that's helping him to endure these things. So I just want to give you the opportunity to elaborate a little bit more on that. Um, If you didn't get a chance to listen to the message, it'll be online, and I encourage you to do that. But there's a lot to dig into here, so I don't want to give us too much of guide rails. Um, What's some some of the things that we see in that passage that are so important for us to apply to our life? Well, I think as we said yesterday, the key uh, for him in encouraging Timothy is moving past just encouraging him in the various metaphors of one through seven, whether that's the manager, the farmer, the athlete, the soldier, and in his identity established in chapter one. And now when he starts with that idea of remember Jesus Christ, as I said yesterday, it's the imperative. It's the the command. So it's not just recollection of Christ. It's not just uh, consider his teaching. It's not just uh, the things that he did. It's who he was. And in remembering who Christ is, And then you had the idea of risen from the dead, the offspring of David. That's the why. That's the why you're doing what you're doing, Timothy. That's why you're pastoring the people of Ephesus. That's why you're opposing false teaching. And then that then therefore dictates the what and the how of verse 9 and verse 10. So that I can face everything that I face. I can go through what I go through. Uh, As a pastor, Timothy would be saying, because Jesus is risen from the dead, what greater foe do I have than death? He's taking care of it. He's the offspring of David. This rising from the dead has been looked at a long time ago, all the way through the Old Testament. This is God's redemptive plan. And so therefore, that why of verse 8 begins to fuel the what of verse 9, the things he is encountering, and then what he goes through enduring in verse 10, the how. And so as you think about that, and I think as Christians think about it, in our world today, we deal with the what's and the how's. We deal with the schedules and we deal with people, but the motivation underneath our activity is very often lost or at, at best only surfaces when we're in the hospital the room, the, the funeral uh, in places in which disease and death issues come. But I think it's really important 
just like for Timothy to know, uh, in functioning as a pastor, as a Christian in Ephesus, you need to tap into the why of why you live in order to fuel your what and your how of how and what you do in life. And so I think that's the driver for for this. Yeah. I think I, I have a, a real personal experience with thinking this way. Um, Paul's in prison, and I won't like in my experience to be in prison, but I worked in the secular world for a long time. Sometimes the particular place I worked felt like prison. <laughs> but uh, I knew from 17 that I want to do full-time vocational ministry. Mm. And it was a real struggle sometimes to be like, why am I not doing this? Why am I not in mm. it? And the times where I would deal best with it was when I would be reminded of who Christ is, that first of all, He has no need for me. Yeah. Right? I, I have a privilege in, in doing these things. Um, but the closer I was to understanding Christ is the summation of all that's been happening throughout creation, right? Is the Lord creating a people for Himself. We have rebelled against Him. By Christ, we are able to make this people become a reality. We are able to be these people. As I stayed mindful of that, it helped me to endure under those circumstances and thinking, in the Lord's timing, I'll do whatever I need to. Mm. But I'm not to sit here. Like what, what I'm thinking of is what Paul says, mm. I am bound. But the word of God is not bound, yeah. right? The, it is it is abounding. So therefore, in my bondage, whatever that might be, let the word of God abound through you. Yeah. And you have to do that by remembering who he is and then proclaiming that truth no matter where you are and under any circumstances. Yeah, that's a good point because sometimes we start mixing up the what and the why. So if the why relates to my purpose and the what relates to what I'm going through now, that idea of the gospel being bound, he could think, well, listen, I wasn't saved to sit in a prison. Mm. Mm. And, and, and the only way he's going to find his footing on that is to realize, well, you were saved to do what God wants you to do. And if that's sit in a prison, then you sit in a prison. So the point is, is that why really matters. And we have a tendency to go the what of I'm doing right now. That can't be what God wants me to do. And then you go, hold the phone here. God is just, he has bought you with a price. So it's when we start bleeding back into that and we start reforming, reshaping God to look an awful lot like us, to be the person that who wants to kind of actualize us and, and make us all that we can be. And God goes, that's not my role. I'm God, you're not. I'm the creator, you're the creation. And when we get that, we go, thank you, Lord, because you, you go, I'm part of your redemptive plan. Yeah. And when we hijack the redemptive plan to make it a personal plan of prospering and our best life now drop the you dropped a book i'll drop a book. <laughs> when that happens uh all of a sudden you become the center of the show and that's uh just modern idolatry that's being dangerous one of the, one of my brothers in, in the core class yesterday said you know if you live your best life now that stinks that means you're going to hell Right, because of what's next. If that's not better, that's bad news. Yeah, it's absolutely true. So this is the, the, for the person who hasn't trusted in Christ, doesn't find their freedom in Christ. This is your heaven. Yeah. For oh, Christians, oh. this is your hell. Yeah. So true. without, we don't believe in liberal theology. No, 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 no. no. Yeah, we're, we're we're using metaphors, people. Yes. It's figuratively, which <laughs> make a point. Um, one of the things I think is interesting about thinking about that purpose is I have heard, and I want to say it's recent, but as I think about it, I have heard this stuff for 20, 30 years now is that there's something to where I think we we can tend to minimize our purpose. Like I can hear the phrase, yeah, I get it's about the gospel, but, or sure, sure. I, I get it's about God's glory, but I, I think you're moving off of this too quickly. Yes, yeah, I understand yeah, there's yeah. other things yeah. that we do, yeah. but if you're ever getting into a place 
where the fact that you were condemned and rightly condemned to an everlasting Mm -hmm. torment under God's wrath, and you are no longer that way because of what Christ has endured on your behalf, Mm -hmm. if that ever becomes the predicate to a but and then move on to something else, we have overshadowed what we're about. If you have gotten to the point where, I I, I think we talk about God's glory all the time, this is, I don't know, and then quickly move on to something. Yeah. Oh, hit the brakes, brother. You're, you're, yeah. mo- you're driving by too quickly. And I think that maybe that's a tendency of what happens. Maybe we lose our purpose because we know it's there, but we just don't value it. Well, I think that as, as creatures, we're constantly trying to shorthand things. We're kind of move through things so we can understand it. So, for example, people, I think, shrink down the gospel to the proposition of the gospel, mm. with the facts of the gospel. Mm. And that's understandable because they go at the end of the service or at the revival, we give the gospel. That's and how so, you share it. Yeah, that's how yeah. you share it. Yeah. But it's it's not that. That's the right. gospel is every day, all day, that's every right. moment of the day reality. Yeah. Certainly propositionally we share it here, but if it ever infringes on the transformational value that the gospel intended to be, then you need to go, okay, I need to expand that and blow that up to what it really is. And I understand that as I think about it, I can't think about it in totality all the time, but I think about little segments, but be careful not to shrink it down as if it is only that. Uh, It has to be more than that. I think that's probably one of the massive problems in Western culture is they've shrunk the gospel down to be propositional in nature. It's a series of facts that people intellectually believe and they go, okay, I'm good versus seeing it does have facts, but the the nature of it is transformational, yeah. that Jesus is the Lord and Savior. And when you trust in him and you come under his lordship, he transforms your life. You just don't add more facts. Mm-hmm. There's a transformational value that begin to go, okay, what can I do for you? How can I appreciate? How can I serve you because of what you've done for me? That's the the fundamental nature of the transactional dynamic that happens in the, in the gospel. And you know what's so scary about that is if you do take it down to just this uh, propositional aspect is that that can work. Like in the sense of that is how we convey it, right? Like we convey that so the Lord can still work in spite of you. The person that's missing out is you. (laughs) Like you were safe to enjoy God in every aspect of your life. So the Lord will will use people that are going to go to hell to still proclaim the gospel. He'll use that for his own ends, right? Paul talks about this. Nonetheless, the, the gospel is preached. You're the one that's missing out when you do that. Yeah, and I think when when pastors do it, namely there's oh. a there's a the church that I know says Christianity make your life better and make you better at life, and while that's true, the problem is that's the core message. So it makes it very transactional in the sense I get this yeah. from being a Christian, or my life becomes better. Well, what if your life doesn't become better? (laughs) What if you're a disciple like Thomas who dies in India or Paul who gets beheaded in Rome or Pete? In other words, if my life doesn't get better, does that mean that Christianity isn't true? Mm. Because that's really the implication. Because if Christianity makes you life better, makes you better at life, and neither of those things happen, then Christianity can't be true. And that's when people frame it in those terms. Uh, That is... incredible stumbling block and it starts to malform the gospel. It's pithy, it's helpful, in some sense it's true, but it's not watertight. So to lead with something like that uh, might make people who hear that go, let me try Christianity. But what it does is it it gives you a view of Christianity that's a warped view, that God isn't at the center. And so therefore, ultimately, God's not interested in in empowering. Yeah, Yeah, I've heard it before. I've heard somebody argue, well, Jesus said that I've come to bring life and bring it more abundantly. 
And I'm like, um, I don't think you're using that word the way Jesus meant you to use that word. <laughs> yeah. Matter of fact, the John 10, where it's talking about the thief comes to kill and destroy, but I've come to give life, give it abundantly, John 10, 10. If you look in the rest of the passage, it's talking about the thief, the, the people that climb over another way into the pen. So the idea is, is that the, the thief and the robber, it, it's not Satan. It's a false teacher. It's the enemy animating false teachers trying to get into the kingdom, come, climbing over. And he says, I've come to give life. And that life, by definition, isn't the activity of your life. The life is the gospel. Yeah. I've come to set you free from the sin yeah. that has bound you in. And that's what I do. Those other guys can't offer you that because they're fakes. They're yeah. frauds. It's in a book that keeps talking about Jesus being being the life. <laughs> yeah. saying, I'm the li- you get more of me abundantly. And guess what I did? I died on a tree. Right? Yeah. So the, it really will twist your way of thinking. We got to be careful with our words when we're conveying truths to people. Yeah. Just read the whole passage. Yeah. When somebody says something like that, I go, okay, let me read. And it, it, it's it, very clear in yeah. John 10 that he is not talking about what most people quote it to be. Yeah. If you can if you can put it on a t-shirt, you probably need to go look it up. Right? <laughs> well, I say that wearing a t-shirt yeah. that I made your mind. But yeah. there's also verses. You can't see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Uh, yeah. So put these statements are good, but they need to lead us back to the truth of the word. Yeah. Yeah. That's good stuff. Well, one of the things that I, I mentioned I want to point out here, Dan, is in verse 10, something that strikes me is when, uh, and this is this does this every time I go through this, um, and maybe it's just reflective that I'm such, uh, I'm not as selfless as I should be in my walk. But in verse 10, he says, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. And I think about, there's often times when I will suffer mm. or struggle through something, mm. and as I think probably most people do, we become very myopic about it. I'm going through this. That I don't want to endure this. As if, mm. But thinking about when you're enduring godly suffering, when you're enduring things that lead to people having an understanding um, and better intimacy with God's glory, th- this is something you are bearing up for a greater purpose. It's it, it, For me, when I do tap into that, I think about it correctly, I'm not... I, I just The pity party doesn't come on to me mm. as much. Yeah. It's almost like the yeah. difference of... If I was out in my backyard and a pipe was busted and I'm just shoveling stuff and trying to get things out of the way and I'm trying to minimize the damage, I'd probably be frustrated that whole entire time. Mm. Make that pipe, that busted pipe, put it in my neighbor's yard. Mm. I'm not frustrated at all. I'm being helpful and I'm thinking about doing it and supporting the neighbor. And I think this is such a great thing to think about in the body. When you think about the things you're enduring, and even if they might be something personal, one day, maybe the thing you endure personal, we'll be able to support the body. Mm. I just think it changes the way that we endure in a yeah. very valuable way. Yeah, I think that's a great example. And even if you see the life of Christ, the very incarnation was exactly that. We get to know God through Christ and what he endured, how he dealt with people. So there's a sense in which all we're doing is con- continuing that life of Christ. And, and the difference is, though, we're um, groping for that in, in trying to believe it to be true. And so when we go things, people are getting a picture of God coming into reality through our lives that when we trust Christ, people go, 
wow, that's not normal. Mm. And so when we endure those things, we actually are building these billboards of who Christ is and who kingdom livers are in this world and the contrast. And the only way that contrast would happen is if we endure these things in a certain way, then all of a sudden we stand out and we're given a platform by which we can express who Christ is. But we very often, I know I do, uh, we miss that. We don't see the big picture. We just think our little worlds. Yeah. You, uh, we undervalue our suffering. Um, and mm. that's one thing that maybe we don't think about often. If uh, Or we talk about it maybe in apologetics when we're defending the gospel and we say, well, if it was a lie, these guys wouldn't have endured what they went through, right? They would have just, yeah. just copped out. And I don't know that we realize this did happen frequently. Yeah. People would lie. They would get in prison. The reason that they would interrogate people is because it worked. Yeah. And they would get them to capitulate. They yeah. would turn around, you know? Sure. Um, so the idea that Paul's going through this suffering and decides to stay in prison, that was a testimony to people around them. Yeah. When we endure, well, I would say don't endure, endure well. Don't draw attention to yourself. Yeah. But it's okay to tell people that the reason that you're going through this yeah. is because you're honoring the Lord in it. Yeah. That's a testimony to His greatness. Or even when you are enduring with other brothers and sisters, testify to this is worth it. You know, this is worth it in the view of God's yeah. greatness and His role of what He's doing in my life. It's worth it. Yeah. When you look at Philippians 1, the first imprisonment in Philippi, he expressly says this has happened for the church, the brothers to become more bold, for the, the gospel to be heard among Caesar's house. And then if you think about in front of Agrippa and you think of in front of other yeah. leaders, what does he do? He testifies to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is clearly connecting these dots as he's moving through this, and he's now helping Timothy to connect the dots, and we're helping each other connect the dots. So that means that we all fight through this. We all fight and we need to grow up into this reality and to see reality as it is, not just as our eyes and ears present it to us. There's a reality behind what we're seeing. There's a hand that is inside the glove, the glove of the events that we see, but there's an animation that is happening that we only will ascertain through the eyes of faith. And we get that through seeing scripture and believing scripture. And then our eyes are open to see, oh, there's more going on than just this. That's really important. This is not positive thinking. Right? People no, will say no, no. you just you're making the best out of the situation or doing yeah. and people do that in the world. Totally get that. Very it's a coping mechanism. They yeah. do it. That's right. We are actually seeing reality. It is positive. Right. Right? It works out well for the believer, those yeah. of us that have been redeemed. But it is not us just going, well, we're trying to make ourselves make the best of a bad situation. No, no, no. We actually have Romans eight. We know that God is making the best out of a situation that is actually for his glory and our good. Yeah. And when you apply it, even with Christ, he's standing before Pilate and Pilate says, don't you know I have the power to release you? And Jesus goes, you wouldn't have any power That's right. if it wasn't given. In other words, Jesus isn't positive thinking. No. Jesus is seeing reality as it is. The guy who's blind is Pilate, who exactly thinks he right. can see. Yeah, and that's the and the more you see that reality, even though it might be hard to face sometimes, as, you're, as we're dealing in our flesh and we're dealing with a fallen world, mm. the more you see it, the more the more you know, right? The more you know and you understand. Okay, mm-hmm. I get this. I, I see the Lord's moving here. I might not always understand why, yeah. but I do know that he's doing that. And that's his beauty of the church. When you don't get that, uh, you see other people around you. You're encouraged when, as we get into the word, as we worship, you begin to put on eyes and you begin to recognize what's going on. And that's why the church is so incredibly valuable and necessary. So you're, you're actually tapping on something I meant to bring up a few weeks ago, and I don't remember where we were in the text. But one of the things that struck me about this is when Paul's writing to Timothy, it's a letter, right? So it's different. Mm-hmm. But Timothy has an obligation to receive Paul's encouragement, mm-hmm. right? Paul's mm-hmm. speaking truth to him about the Lord. And I think sometimes, I, I, I fall victim to this every once in a while, I don't want to hear it. I don't mm-hmm. want to be encouraged. I mm-hmm. want to be miserable right now. Mm-hmm. Like, 
Uh, my, being sad right now actually is kind of where I want to be. Yeah. And as brothers and sisters in the body, we need to let other people speak encouragement, yeah. truth about God's word yeah. to us. And it might not mean that you need to turn around all of a sudden you're happy-go-lucky, but you need to stay, take that, put it in your spiritual bag and hold it and go, you know what? Yeah. I don't want to hear it. But yeah. I'll tell you where it really gets me, Dan. Somebody tell, that tell maybe is not the person that I most enjoy being around. Yeah. Like there's a person that maybe is no not names, somebody. That, no names, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to mention a joke, but it'll become real. Like, I'll pick out one of the other elders and make fun of Pick out a staff member. member. Yeah, yeah. Dan. <laughs> um, I'm right here. <laughs> but I think sometimes somebody goes, maybe there's a person that's in the box. You love them, but they irk you. And they speak a truth to you. You mm. might go, oh, yeah. I really don't like that. Yeah. But that's even probably the grace of God going, hey, there you go. Right. There's some truth right there. You really need to eat on, be nourished by this truth. Um, what, was inter- what was interesting is this trails uh, a conversation I had after the service. And somebody was saying they were having a hard time accepting help from people. Yeah. And uh, they said, well, you know, I'm just, I, do, I, I think I'm okay. And I said, hold on a second. I said, it's very important that you receive the help when it's genuine and needful because they're actually acting out the body of Christ. When you say no to them, you're not allowing them to grow in the grace that Christ has provided. So this is more than just you going, I'm okay, I'm self-sufficient. When there's that need, go, thank you very much, and then encourage them for them reflecting and representing Christ. And in that way, both people are blessed. And I think in the West, we're very much like that. I don't need your help. I can can figure it out. But there's more going on here than just you. There's this picture of redemptive love that is happening, this grace received, grace accepted, uh, or grace offered. Um, And so, yeah, and we just, we all need to remember these things. That's a huge one. Uh, Years ago, I had this great opportunity for somebody to speak into my life. that I, we were coming off. She was a children's director at church. Great lady, love her, loves the Lord. Um, wonderful person. And we had an event that was going wrong, and I was running around fixing everything. Like, and I don't think I was. I don't think I was trying to be arrogant about it. But just that day, everything went wrong. I could fix. I was Johnny on the spot. And then later that week, she asked me to come talk to her. Uh, and we're talking, and I think I'm coming in there to get like a, a that a boy. Oh yeah. I shut the door. She says, Zach, why do you rob God of His glory? I'm thinking, what did I do? What what happened? She goes, look, you can do all kinds of stuff. That's great. There's other people that need to be honoring the Lord and serving Him as well, right? And it's something that really like struck me was the Lord doesn't need me to do everything. That doesn't mean that I shouldn't have been doing that kind of stuff. But the point is, other people have opportunities to serve. And when I don't let people help me, Mm, am I trying to quench the Spirit working in their life? I think... How bad would it be if you or the other people in the body never let me minister to them? Sure, I'd be, I would be miserable. Yeah, we, we have a tendency to do that when we re- when we refuse that help. So. Yeah, that's a good point. Anyway, that was something from a couple weeks ago, but it keeps going through, and it's going to go through. Actually, I went through Paul's first letter. You see it a lot in Timothy and Titus. I think about it is that um, these brothers had a decision when they received these letters. Yeah, do, do I listen to Paul or do I not? Yeah, and we we tend to believe that they did. Yeah, and it benefited them well. So. Yeah. Anyway, all right. Well, I mean, there's other things. We're moving into a, a, a it's funny. I, I think I've joked with you. I don't remember if on camera or not. This whole next passage is like, yeah. there's like 30 verses in a row that are kind of just one long thought. Yeah. So 
Have fun parsing those out into multiple messages. Well, and it's interesting, even 11 through 13, there's a twist there that uh, it's probably one of the best misunderstood sections that almost makes you sound like if we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. And so the idea of, hey, even when you're down and out, he's there for you. Well, that's true. That's not not the the meaning of that passage. We'll get into that this Sunday. Well, that'll be good, man. Looking forward to it. So thank you for joining us and you guys, viewers, ladies and gentlemen on the interweb in in your Spotify feed. Thank you for being with us again. Uh, We look forward to next week as we'll continue to work through Timothy. Until then, you guys focusing on spreading God's fame and making disciples and enjoying every second of doing it. We'll see you later.